Yemeni women are systematically excluded from the peace talks. And recently, we have also witnessed a new Yemeni cabinet with zero representation of women among this cabinet. When women come to small meetings or to big meetings or to dialogues or consultations, they come with a lot of knowledge. They come with a very powerful stories to share and experience from the ground. So why are they excluded? Why are they systematically excluded? We, we have this question about the, you know, the intentions of the uh, parties including the, the UN, including those who are uh, like regional uh, mediators, are they really willing to end the war? Do, do they really want to come into a peace agreement? Do they really want to achieve peace? Or are they trying to prolong the years of the suffering and the war of the Yemenis? We are sometimes asked when we are invited or when we uh, ask or call for um, increasing the number of women or you know, talking about women's participation and the importance of women's participation. They usually ask us a very offensive question. What would women bring into the table? It is our full right to be at the table. We have to be there. It's our right. Women usually um, lead lots of peace initiatives on the ground. And, and we really don't have an answer to that question about the exclusion of women. It's very sad when we think about uh, proposing a peace agreement uh, that um, lacks the perspective of women. I don't, I, I don't think that there is an opportunity for this to be implemented. These, all the peace agreements are not implemented because they lack our perspective. You're listening to A Seat at the Table, a podcast series by the Oslo Women's Rights Initiative that discusses global peace and security with a special focus on the situations in Yemen, Libya, Iraq, Lebanon, Iran, and Syria. My name is Maya James. A Seat at the Table is also a continuation of the conversations that began back in March 2020 at the OWRI's third annual event in Oslo. The main message was that the time is now to put civil society leaders, especially women, first in any type of talks about peace, security, and stability. The event also marked the 20th anniversary of the United Nations Security Council Resolution 1325. Today, we are going to talk about choosing peace and security over authoritarianism. This episode's theme is both a call to action and a question. The call to action is that we must prioritize peace and security over authoritarians because it is more sustainable and practical to do so. The question is, why then does the international community prioritize authoritarians and militias over civil society and peace talks? 
when civil society is best prepared for nonviolent transitions of power. We discuss the necessity of women's involvement in peace agreements and shortcomings of the international community and moving toward global stability. Prioritizing women's participation in peace and negotiation processes is not about meeting diversity or gender quotas. Women make up a large part of their country's population and they play significant leadership roles in their respective societies. Yet, they are disproportionately impacted by the policies crafted in negotiation tables and often excluded from having a seat at these tables. Despite the fact that women are well-equipped to offer sustainable solutions because of their diverse lived experiences, they understand the root causes of these issues. They're also stakeholders. I mean, they're also um, experts in different fields and um, who have um, worked on a lot of these issues. Many have worked, many would have worked on uh, local uh, mediation processes or have negotiating entry of food or negotiating the release of prisoners mm. and the, and all that wealth of experiences and knowledge uh, unfortunately does not go so much to be in a decision making it goes into making recommendations so now the UN system does recognize um, that oh it's important to have women <laughs> so they make tracks for women you know on the sites where we write recommendations i i i was actually um i am still actually in, in some of these uh in in these meetings on the side where i contribute with recommendations uh to the people who would have to negotiate but they wouldn't reach a negotiation table where they could make decisions because that's very that's where i think the the perception is that these who are going to be on the table are those who are able to affect change. And that's why the design itself needs to change so that, um, that there are more chairs on that table and there are more people uh, contributing to making that decision, which effectively also, of course, makes the process longer. Maybe it also maybe makes it more complicated, um, but, I mean, it has, it has, we have to try um, and saying that it's, it's, it would, it might make it more complicated, I think is, is an unreasonable response to perhaps improvement. And also unfounded, uh, what is that, what, what, what is that based on? Like, how do they know it's going to become more complex? Because I feel like if you actually include more voices who, for, for example, because reaching a consensus would be even harder you know the more it's like it's like when you have a you know at, at the home conflict yeah and you're just two people who are have or who are into this fight and then the more you add people yeah the more it might get complicated because you have different perspectives different but I think that's just an issue of facilitation. And I think that's, as I said, it's an, an, it's unreasonable to say it might get complicated if the result is improvement and, and uh, more lasting peace processes. It's oh, very much worth it to make it a bit complicated in the beginning <laughs> in order yeah. to have a better result than to continue making the same mistakes for decades.
Those were short clips from recent conversations with Asma Khalifa about the situation in Libya and Yasmin al-Naderi about the situation in Yemen. Asma is an activist and researcher who has worked on women's rights, human rights, and youth empowerment in Libya since 2011. She was in Libya last summer leading mediation and nonviolent training workshops. I asked her about her experience in our last conversation, and you'll hear about it in upcoming episodes. Yasmin is a regional development expert and co-founder of the Peace Track Initiative. She and her colleagues have paved the way for women's participation in the Yemen peace process. They are fighting every day for the United Nations to meaningfully integrate them in the process. Asma and Yasmin were featured speakers at the Nobel Peace Center for the Oslo Women's Rights Initiative's annual event that takes place every March. You'll hear more from Yasmin, Asma, and the other incredible OWRI Network members in upcoming episodes. This is Mariam Naib Yazdi, founding member of the Oslo Women's Rights Initiative. To ignore women is to ignore civil society. And to ignore civil society is to sideline the pursuit of global stability. There can be no sustainable peace without the voices of women and civil society leaders prioritized and meaningfully integrated into decision-making processes. They represent the best interests of their country. We want to see the international community and stakeholders invest in them rather than their oppressors. You may be wondering who the international community is. We're using this term to refer to multilateral institutions like the United Nations, nation states, international nonprofits, human rights organizations, think tanks, lobbyists, and large corporations. They all shape and influence global policy. Media outlets, both traditional and social, also make up the international community. They shape public opinion and perception. So when they prioritize discussions with authoritarians over civil society, they signal to the rest of the world that civil society's opinion is less important. But that's not an ideal approach because... Authoritarians are inherently unstable. So appeasing them creates more instability. And it requires compromising human rights values. It also requires sidelining civil societies and going against their best interests. And peace processes require the support and participation of civil societies in order to stand a chance of succeeding. So sidelining civil society and compromising human rights values decreases the chances for success. If the goal is truly global peace and security. current status quo is that civil societies ruled by dictatorships are sidelined in dialogues, while the dictators and militia groups are prioritized over them. The international community operates as if authoritarians are actually representative of the people they rule over. And because authoritarians reject human rights, the international community acts like the society rejects them as well. But the mass uprisings of the past 11 years calling for human rights and dignity beg to differ. There are serious consequences to compromising human rights, 
such as the deterioration of the value of those rights. Also, authoritarians rely on instability to sustain their power. What incentives do they have to change when the international community is willing to legitimize them through compromising human rights values? It sends the message that human rights are not always a priority, and it creates the illusion that it is acceptable for some people in the world to live with them while others don't. It adds a false value to people's lives based on whose rights and freedoms are protected and whose are not. This imbalanced distribution of human rights and our acceptance of it contributes to sustaining global instability. Every time we legitimize or normalize authoritarian rule, we contribute to denying the people living under that rule their basic rights and freedoms. No matter how you look at the situation, engagement with authoritarians that compromises human rights is never for peace or any form of global stability. It appeases violence and excuses the behavior of tyrants. Empowering civil society voices is arguably the most nonviolent way to get the oppressors to change their behavior. Authoritarians are human beings who need an incentive to change. And dictators with a history of violence and abuse do not become less violent through appeasement. To assume that a dictator just needs someone to talk to them more nicely or be willing to cooperate with them assumes dictators or militia leaders want to do better if they knew how or if they had more exposure to Western liberal institutions. It excuses their daily abuse of the societies they rule over. It denies them agency in committing those crimes. It puts justice on the back burner when justice should always be front and center. It equates human rights with Western ideals and values when they are universal. Global stability is only possible if the international community works toward creating a more just and equitable world for everyone. To move toward it, we need incentive structures that are rooted in human rights values rather than the hoarding of power of certain entities. We need to decentralize the movement for peace, security, and stability. And we can do that through becoming more thoughtful and purposeful in our actions, knowing which values our intentions are rooted in. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we focus on Yemen and Libya and unpack why peace processes fail. See you next time.